Hello and welcome to the greatest show on earth. I am your host, Aaron Nathan Neal, and you are listening to More Than a Party Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. And uh, today I have uh, two of uh, the most influential men that I in my life, for sure. Two of the smartest guys that I've had uh, a tremendous impact on my life. Um, and you might be like, Aaron, you're really biased. And you might be completely correct, because I am. Um, because the first one is my dad, Pastor Neil, Pastor Bill Neil. And I actually uh, spoke to my dad um, a couple months ago on my season one, as I like to call it. And then the other man standing before us is my brother, my older brother, Pastor Adam Neal, who is in Utah. And I also had him in season one as well. And so um, we had a couple of things that we wanted to talk about. And I was like, man, I would love for my dad to join me and Adam. And both of them are pastors and both have a lot of wisdom and great insight into a variety of different subjects and topics um, that span all across. But uh, thank you, Pastor Adam, for uh, joining me. I appreciate you, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, Aaron. Yeah, of course. And thanks, Pastor Bill, for, for coming on. Oh, of course. Yeah, anytime, bro. Appreciate, appreciate you having me. Yeah, so uh, this is our my first time doing a um, a multiple people interview, and uh, so um, I'll just kind of maybe try and direct the questions maybe at um, one of you guys specifically, and then and you guys can just add on if if that's how it goes. Um, if you guys have any input, but this is open forum for anyone maybe wondering what's going on here. I just uh, me and when uh, we just came back from a Bible conference. And, uh, man, it was just so powerful, so wonderful. And, uh, just a lot of pastors there, a lot of men and women of God just wanting to do, uh, something, um, as far as like pioneering is pioneering is concerned or contributing, uh, financially, whatever it might be to spreading the gospel. And, uh, I, th I just think it's such a wonderful thing to have two pastors on here that can, uh, just speak to what that's like as being a pastor and throughout all of this, the last two years of um, the COVID crisis, uh, um, I'm sure it's been challenging. I'm sure it's been really challenging um, as a pastor, uh, just being told to shut your doors and uh, you got to do this and you have to do that. Um, so I guess like I, for me, I don't envy you guys, either one of you, you know, make, having to make these hard choices, uh, especially early on. Um, as far as the church is concerned, but Adam, Pastor Adam, I'll just start with you. What were some of maybe like when it first hit you that you got to shut your doors or, you know, we're going into this crazy lockdown as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, maybe what was, what were some of the things that were, were going through your head? Yeah, well, so right away, um, I just like when everything hit, um, you know, I, I wasn't very sure what I wanted to do, what I needed to do, um, if we needed to close or not. And we, I hadn't closed or anything, but just wasn't really sure what to do. And um, so I talked to my dad, who's my pastor. And uh, 
he had already made the decision, which I'll let him, you know, speak for himself. But at that point he had already made the decision that he was going to stay open. And so I, uh, one of the things that I said to him was like, you know, I'm definitely not afraid, but I don't want to accidentally do something rash, like to prove that I'm not afraid. And he was like, well, just pray about it. Just pray about, um, you know, whether or not you should stay open, just really simple. Just pray about it. So I was like, okay. I mean, that's <laughs> profound wisdom. <laughs> but you know what? I, I do have to say that, uh, you know, I'm aware of pastors who didn't pray about it and they just closed without even, you know, praying. And so, I mean, it's just, <clears throat> it is our responsibility as, as pastors to, you know, do what God wants us to do. And we have to, we have to ask him. So anyways, I, I just prayed and I can tell you strongly enough, immediately, I was extremely sure that God wanted me to stay open. And I mean, just immediately I felt a peace that I needed to stay open. I mean, it was just, I, I couldn't, I can't express how clear it was to me just right away. I knew God wanted me to stay open. And one of the cool things about it for me was just realizing that God had spoken to my pastor and uh, God's word to me lined up with my pastor, you know, and I think that's really cool that, um, and it's, it's biblical, you know, that um, God would speak to my pastor, my authority, and that same word would come to me. <clears throat> and then later I would find out that Pastor Rob also stayed open. And um, so I think that's really cool as well. But um, yeah, that was, that was basically my initial processing was just praying about it and realizing right away that I knew that um, God uh, wanted me to stay open. And there's a bit more to that, but I don't know if um, dad wants to comment on that. Yeah, Pastor Bill. So Adam, Adam referenced to that you were the one that he called and saw inside from. And, and uh, I love how, you know, your first initial response is, hey, you should pray about it, right? You, yeah. you gave you gave him what you were doing. But that was just kind of like, Hey, this is what I'm doing, but you need to as well pray. And uh, I think that just goes to, you know, the type of leader that you are, where it's like, here's what I'm doing, but also you need to see God first. Yeah. And um, that was one of the things that I wanted to um, try to emphasize with anybody that asked why we stayed open is. Um, I prayed, um, and you know, you can, when you pray, you, you either feel the peace or you don't feel the peace, you know, it's like, you know, it's not like an audible voice, but it's like, you, you don't. And, and so I was like, no, I got, I, this, God want, definitely wants us to stay open. And, and so what I did is I immediately made my mind up that I wasn't going to criticize anybody, any other pastors that closed or any pastors that stayed open. Um, because my responsibility, just like I told Adam, his responsibility is to pray, uh, to hear from God. Um, you know, <clears throat> he's the pastor. He's got to stand before God for uh, his stewardship. And, and so that's, that's what I did. But I, I really made up my mind that, hey, pastors have to pray. And if they prayed and they felt like God said to close, then, hey, they prayed. They're, they're, that's what they heard God say. And uh, so anyway, that was really my posture. And, and it's still my posture. 
you know, on the things that I do and, and especially in that way, um, you know, and I, I believe God can speak definitely about his, his church, you know, his bride, you know? Yeah. Um, for sure. And, uh, so I guess the next question is, did you guys, uh, regret doing that staying open at all? Did you get like, once you started getting pushback from people, because obviously, um, I know that we got pushback, you know, here in Charleston, um, especially on social media. But Adam, did that ever kind of make you think like, oh, man, am I am I making the right choice? Even though you had peace, even though you listened to your authority when you were getting pushback, were were you kind of like maybe second guessing yourself or? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely didn't um, like second guess it because I felt really certain, you know, I felt really sure. Um, and we were praying throughout the whole time. And uh, I think the biggest pressure was every once in a while with a new, you know, some kind of new instruction from the government, people would be texting me and saying like, oh, they're saying this or they're saying that, you know, are we going to close? We're going to stay open. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of at that make continuing on because uh, definitely feeling like God wanted me to stay open, definitely feeling that we were doing the right thing, but, you know, every once in a while getting that, um, sort of pressure, uh, to, you know, are we going to adjust and, and close now? Um, but I just felt again, really confident that we were doing the right thing. Um, and one of the things was right from the very beginning, I told everybody like, look, um, if you feel like you can't come, then I understand that I said, but if you want to be there, I'm going to be there. The church is going to be open. You know, so that was my my mission was like the church is going to be open so that people can come to it, especially in a time of of chaos or a time of uncertainty. I mean, uncertainty is probably the better word, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I want to make sure that there's a, a place that people can go, a refuge for people. And if people made the decision that they didn't want to come, you know, I understood because there was so much pressure um, culturally. But uh you know, it, I, basically, if anybody wanted to be there, I was going to be there. And so to me, that's not too, that's not that big of a deal, really. You know, it's like, if, yeah. if you don't want to, you won't be. But if you want to, I'm going to be there too, you know. It's not It's not like we have to tell most people, if you don't want to be there, you don't have to be. <laughs> that's, oh, true. Exactly. That's, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, how about you, Pastor Bill? When you started, I know for us, you know, it came from, uh, I mean, I, we, we don't need to name names, but it came from within our own congregation. Someone, you know, decided to put out that we were still having church. And all of a sudden it's like, what? You, you're not even coming. <laughs> yeah. you, you haven't been here in months. Like, how do you even know that we're still having service? Uh, so did that kind of, you know, we're pa your guys are pastors, you're men of God, but you're also men with flesh. You know, yeah. so when someone comes against you in lies and deceit, it's only maybe natural to, you know, be like, bruh, yeah, come on now. Yeah, no, I, you know, and I didn't take any of it really personal because, um, you know, all of us know the kind of pressure that everybody was feeling. And, and again, everything was uncertain from state, from state to state, really, and sometimes city to city. I mean, it was just so, you know, uncertain what uh, the authorities were going to say. But, you know, honestly, I think at that time, I kind of shut down 
um, social media stuff. I shut down, except for Facebook. We were doing Facebook Live sermons. Um, but there were times when it was just, you know, on a Wednesday night, it was me and a few others. And, you know, but that's that's okay. I wanted to, as, you know, as Adam said, I wanted to be there, be available. I mean, gosh, especially in like a time when, you know, like what is going on around here? You know, it's like the church. Yeah. I felt like as a church uh, that we, I wanted to be available. And, you know, we did, we gained people. Uh, yeah. During during yeah. that time, uh, new people came in, and I re- honestly, um, I mean, this is just me. It probably it's it's me right now. It may not be me in the future, <laughs> and, but I really didn't give any thought uh, to people that were upset mm-hmm. um, because I felt like, hey, this is what I really feel like I heard from God to stay open, and um, you know what, we're here for you. And, you know, so I, I didn't really take it personal, you know, in that way. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'll add to that, you know, living in the state of West Virginia, we are, you know, have, you know, uh, um, we have the privilege, I guess, as should be what it's called now, to not live in such a authoritarian state where the government was constantly looking at us and looking at checking doors, checking churches. Um, although that kind of changed a little bit after November um, of 2020, he tried Jim Justice tried to go in a different direction, but we don't need to get into that. But I think it's it's powerful too. looking back when all the bars were closed, all the strip clubs were closed, every, you know, whatever was closed. How gnarly would it have been for every single church in all of the United States to have remained open and say, hey, we're open on a Saturday, Friday night, you know, come and hang out in here or yeah. whatever it might've been. So I, I definitely think that, you know, uh, you know, it's not a knock on anyone that did close their doors, especially if you prayed about it and heard from God and we're at peace, just like pastor Bill and Adam are saying. Um, but I mean, as pastor Adam referenced already, if you just close your doors just for the sake of closing door, your doors, it's kind of like, man, you might've missed out. Yeah, I think there was uh, definitely um, 2020 was definitely a season of and it. I don't really feel that it should have been a season of uncertainty for the church mm. uh, because God is never uncertain. He's never unsure. He always, you know, it's not like he woke up and said, oh, no, what happened? You know, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. he, he knows exactly you know, every day, every minute, every hour. So it's not like it took him up by surprise, but, uh, you know, I think one of the, one of the things that we obviously have to be is a praying people. And so it's not like when all of this went down, Adam and I looked at each other and said, Oh no, we better pray because we pray already, you know, mm-hmm. we pray, you know, daily we, we mm-hmm. do, we, you know, again, we're not perfect at it, but we, sure. you know, we pray. And so to pray and really try to hear from God regarding this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so I really do feel like it was a season of, in a way, a season of harvest, yeah. you know, a season of, of reaching out and um, being available. So, uh, you know, again, I, you know, did we miss out? 
Yeah, you know what? I think we woke up. <laughs> I think we got to see some things a little clearer. Yeah. You know? Adam, do you think uh, the church woke up? Do you think uh, COVID woke up a, a, maybe a sleeping giant, if you will? I mean, I definitely want to be as, you know, as hopeful and, and optimistic and positive about the church because I, I mean, it's, it's what I've devoted my life to, what we've devoted our lives to. So, I mean, I'm always going to, you know, believe that God has, you know, the final say, final, um, final authority over the outcome and, and that uh, we can trust in him for that. But I, I mean, I was, I was disappointed that so many churches did close because uh, it felt like um, just felt like a, a major opportunity to take a stand, you know, cause like I used to say, um, that, uh, the, the, the third world nations with, uh, Christians there, that Christians are, are thriving under persecution and they're doing really well. And I, I used to say, I think that the American church might need a little persecution to get a little, you know, fire in them. And then we got some persecution and it feels like we just, you know, we just closed up shop really fast. And, um, it was it was kind of surprising for me to see so many churches shut down without really fighting back um, because it's just not really, you know, it's not really who we are. I mean, we we take risks all the time. Every time we send a missionary, um, we're putting his family and him in risk and at risk. And um, every time we bring a missionary home to visit or to to come back to live, um, it's a risk. You know, he could be sick. He could have something uh, that can infect other people. I mean, that's always been how it is. In America, our, our responsibility really is the mission field. I mean, I think that's why God blessed us with our liberty and our freedom is so that we could be a blessing to the world. And uh, I mean, we just, you know, one of the scariest statistics and saddest, I guess, for me is that um, they, they say that 25%, um, Pastor Richard Ruby shared this quote, 25% of um, churches that closed their doors during COVID are not reopening. And, uh, and so you could say that maybe there's been, um, kind of, a a testing or, mm -hmm. um, just that God is kind of, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, it seems kind of strong, but yeah, just a, a testing. And so hopefully now we're, we're better off. We're, um, hungrier, more passionate that we, you know, we went through a, a difficult time and now we want to just, you know, come back strong and, um, continue to do what God called us to do, not not fearful, not afraid, not afraid that things could go wrong or, you know, I mean, what, one of the things what, during this time early on that I, I said was like, you know, my kids, when they're born, we dedicate them to Jesus and we mean it. Like, I, I really believe that God's given me these children and I need to raise them to live for God. And so that means that if they grow up and they want to be missionaries, that I'm not going to stop them from doing that. You know, if God calls them to the mission field, which is far scarier than COVID, you know, yeah. there's far worse diseases and far worse healthcare abroad. And um, if God calls them to that, then, you know, I, I'm going to support it because I, I dedicated them to Jesus when they were born. Yeah. So, you know, in America where I, I do have incredible health care and all that, um, I'm definitely not going to be like, you know, uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm so afraid that I can't go to church or I can't take my kids to church. And um, some people might think that's really strong, but that's how 
I don't know. That's how we were raised is, is I'm living for Jesus and my kids, I'm raising them to live for Jesus too. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. And, uh, that's definitely how we were raised. Um, and, uh, that's how, you know, God willing, I'm going to raise my kids one day. Sheesh. Um, and, uh, so, but no, for sure. And, and you touched on one thing, uh, you know, as we come back, hopefully we're stronger and, uh, you know, on the same page and people are all hungering and, uh, for, for truth and for, uh, Christ and for more, I mean, when you know your work is your uh, life and when work is you know what you're living for and purpose and all of a sudden that gets taken from you just like that by the snap of you know some governor's finger it's like what is life all about you know what is you know i'm sure those thoughts and you know all those things were going through people's heads especially if they're alone or whatever it might be um and so now that everyone's hopefully opening up their doors. Hopefully that happened a long time ago. They are finding a place of truth and a place of welcoming. Um, and you saw this in 2020 when it seemed like churches were starting to open up. Uh, they were a lot more careful, especially some of these mega churches. Uh, if you look into the crowd, they're six feet apart and, and different things like that. And, you know, I'm not going to cast any blame or anything like that. But um, it, in people's mind, this is a, a pandemic. And I don't, we don't need to, I guess, get into too much of that. But there's a lot of fear, a lot, a lot of fear right now. And so I guess my question to you as a pastor opening up their doors how do you maybe um, address that fear or address maybe the legitimate feelings of people as they walk into your door and they see people unmasked or they see not social distancing or whatever it might be, whatever stipulations you have set for your church? How do you as a pastor navigate, you know, around those things and back into normality, even though, you know, you know, I know that we never really changed anything, but maybe a pastor who is a little bit stressed. What would you say, Pastor uh, Bill? I'll start with you. Well, um, we didn't, we didn't ever have any uh, stipulations. Um, if you wanted to wear a mask, obviously um, you're welcomed uh, to do that, but we didn't mandate that. We didn't check temperatures coming in the door. We didn't social distance. And so we didn't do those things. Um, we didn't have any real outbreaks. You know, I know some places did and, yeah. you know, I never minimize uh, any of that, that those things are, they are what they are. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think that to me, you know, the church is a volunteer. It's, it's, a, it's the body of Christ. Uh, we're doing everything we can do. Well, probably that's probably overstated. Not everything we can do to reach the world, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. you know, but we, we try to love people and we try to welcome them in. I mean, we say, come as you are. Well, you know, if they don't want to wear a mask or they want to wear a mask and then I say, no, was well, that really come as you are? I mean, what are yeah. we talking about? So what if they're you know, what if they're drunk, Pastor? Are you are you letting them into your church? <laughs> absolutely. I, what if they're I, what if they're a prostitute? Are you letting them into yeah, your church? Absolutely. What if they're unvaccinated? Absolutely. Hey, 
Yeah, you know, because I mean, people are people. You know, people yeah. need the gospel, and I've tried to keep. Um, I've tried to help our church navigate. I mean, we're not a large body, a large church, but you know, I've tried to help. Tried to keep them focused on the mission of the church through it all. Yeah, I mean, you, you're there every service. I mean, I, I talk about that probably more than anything. We have to stay focused on the mission of the church. So let's stop reading, you know, more social media than we do the Bible. Let's, let's try to hear from God. Let's pray. Let's reach the lost. So I've tried to keep um, the, our congregation focused on the mission, which the mission can't get lost because the church does have a mandate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, that word mandate, you know how the enemy's attacking that word. I mean, you're afraid to even mention it in church, you know, but the mandate of the church is to disciple nations. That is the mandate of the church and always will be. So, you know, I'm not going to throw stipulations up, you know, because I feel like the church is the best place. I'll be honest with you, uh, Aaron. I even said, look, if you have COVID, come to church. Let me pray for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I believe Jesus can heal that. I mean, I know pastors in third world countries that have laid hands on full-blown AIDS patients, I mean, on their deathbed, laying their hands on them, praying for them to get healed. Um, you know, I just believe that is the mandate of the church. I believe somebody asked, you know, what would Jesus do? do during this time. He would be wearing a mask and he would be, well, you know, COVID wouldn't even be existing, you know, in his presence. You know, he would have completely healed anybody that, you know, that's just who he, so I don't know that that's really a fair um, comparison, but I do know that the Bible says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's the mandate of the church. That is the call, the purpose of the church. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm not the guy that's going to tell people you can or can't, you know, I feel like the church is the best place for a drunk person to come. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, you mentioned um, staying on message and men, and you mentioned, um, you know, staying and stating the mandate of the church. Uh, so one of the things I've noticed that a lot of pastors, especially in 2020, have allowed themselves, I shouldn't say a lot, but pastors that I've seen, especially in the spotlight, I guess I'll reference them. I've seen allowed, has allowed the culture, uh, cultural movements and world, worldly things to influence how they are speaking to a congregation behind a pulpit. I mean, we went to a rally here in West Virginia where a white pastor got up there during the Black Lives Matter movement and pretty much told every white person that they're racist. And we're standing there thinking this is coming from what you are out to lunch. How dare you say that? How who do you think you are? You know, and but the thing is, if that would have just been some old Joe Schmo. Trying to gain political points, we would have been like, whatever, he's out to lunch. But coming from, quote unquote, you know, a pastor, someone who is held in a higher regard, someone who is held more accountable by God, according to the word of God, you you hear those things and you're like, man, I almost feel sorry for you when you're speaking such uh, foolish things, um, especially from behind 
a pulpit. So my, and again, you know, as a non-pastor, I don't really envy the, uh, um, burden that Christ has laid upon you guys and, you know, holding you guys to a higher account, but pastor Adam, how, how do you, um, maybe I'm not, step, I'm going to step away real quick. How do you allow or kind of, um, keep yourself from being, um, influenced and maybe steer toward a direction that the world would want you to go? How do you, how do you navigate that? Especially as a young pastor. Yeah. I mean, it's just my, my job is to preach the Bible. And so, um, I, I basically just don't really need to worry about like cultural, um, agendas and things like that. I preach the Bible and, um, I feel like in any season, no matter what's going on, the word of God has hope for people and has um, something for people to hang on to, something for people to believe in. And I think uh, more than anything, the Bible really helps us keep in perspective what's really important. So preaching the word is going to keep people grounded on what really matters. I mean, that's the intent. And that's what's available to us is the word of God does that for us if we'll receive it and accept it. Um, there is a lot of pressure to conform to just different cultural things, but I'm just, I I just stick to what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to preach. I'm supposed to preach Jesus. Um, you know, my theme for, for last year was, uh, win souls. Mm. And it was the priority was win souls. It's not about, you know, this mandate, that mandate, whatever it's about winning souls for Jesus. That's that, that's the purpose is getting people to know Jesus and proclaiming the gospel as much as we can. Um, and, uh, it definitely, you know, COVID, I mean, COVID made outreach difficult, but we still did it. You know, we yeah. still found a way because the priority is winning souls. And if we keep those kinds of things in, in mind, we keep that, you know, that eternal perspective, what really matters, um, it will, again, keep us grounded, but also really help us keep that vision of what God's called us to and what really, really matters and what's really important. <clears throat> yeah. And um, you would think that, you know, during a deadly pandemic that the church and Christians would actually maybe seek out people, you know, a plane is going down. You want to uh, stand up and start preaching the gospel. Hey, you guys should get saved. (laughs) Uh, But instead the church was like, Hey, let's close our church and watch everything from uh, our couch Mm -hmm. and uh, watch it from online. And Adam, you had mentioned this earlier. I think maybe even season one was that, you know, COVID was just, um, it just became an excuse for something that they were already going to do as far as like missing church. They were only quarantining from church. I think you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I call that the fake quarantine because <laughs> There's a name basically for it. <laughs> what people were, yeah, it's the fake quarantine. Um, basically people were still going to work. They were still going to Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart, you know, the gas station, the coffee shop, even, they were still going wherever they always go restaurants, you know, they were going everywhere that they always go except for church. And then they were calling that a quarantine. Like somehow, you know, they were not going to get COVID because they didn't go to church, but they went everywhere else that they always go to. And so, I mean, when we take a step back and we think about that, that's pretty ridiculous. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I do think that there were a lot of people, you know, that just probably they didn't really, you know, maybe they didn't really want to come. And this was a great, opportunity a great reason for them to uh, say well you know this is for the the greater good um i'm just worried about your grandma 
And yeah, you know, oh, thanks. You, yeah, just looking out for your grandma. Yeah, and so, our grandma, your grand, your grandma's at church. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. My grandma's at church. <laughs> um. So here we are talking about breaking breaking the law. You know, the mandates that were set before us from the governing body. But Pastor Adam, I'll start with you. Doesn't First Corinthians doesn't it state that we should be obeying our governing body? And doesn't it state that God has set forth um, leaders that to govern over us? Um, so why are we talking about uh, breaking these uh, laws as a church? Yeah, well, so first of all, um, I mean, the Paul, especially, and then um, really all of the apostles, but these people were preaching an illegal gospel. Mm. It was illegal. They were not supposed to be doing what they were doing. Um, they were heavily persecuted. Many of them died preaching this gospel. Um, we know that all the apostles, except for John, um, were killed for their belief. But John spent the the uh, rest of his life um, in exile. So it's not like he had it easy. So they all were criminalized for preaching the gospel. So what they when they say obey the governing authorities, um, it's it's absolutely true and it's absolutely appropriate, except for when the the governing authority tells you to do something that is against what God has called you to do. So at that point, we do have a responsibility that we have to remember that we answer to God and we're responsible for being obedient to him. One day we're going to stand before him and none of us are perfect by any means, but you know, we're going to have to give an account. And it's like, are we, um, are we going to tell, tell God that like we disobeyed him because the government told us to, I mean, mm. that's, that's, I mean, I, I definitely don't want to have to, you know, stand before God and say that. So if God speaks to us and, and tells us, and, and really, I feel like it's already clear in the word because it says, don't forsake the assembly of the brethren. And I think it's something worth fighting for. And again, our, our churches in, in these, you know, third world nations where the, the, the church is still illegal and the Bible is still legal and they're not supposed to, you know, have church, they're doing it. Why are they doing it? Why are we fighting that battle? Because that's what God has called us to do. And because God, again, is that final authority. Um, and so wherever the government is attacking what God's word says to do, it's not, it's not just something that like we should maybe do. It's actually our responsibility to be obedient to God um, in those situations. Um, there is uh, one thing I heard. I, I completely agree. Um, but one thing I heard was, um, someone say, when you make stands against the government, you are close to embracing a spirit of lawlessness. Um, Pastor Bill, how how does that make sense? How would you make sense uh, in your mind about that? Well, you know, Romans 13 is the uh, text that people turn to when it talks about everyone submitting themselves to governing authorities because government comes from God and, and, and that, you know, there goes my church kid uh, card for getting the scripture wrong. Oh, well, I, I think I, I said first Corinthians. <laughs> oh, Hey, that's, it, that's all right. 
But but here's what here's what it says for the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right but in those who are doing wrong would you like to live without fear of the authorities do what is right and they will honor you I mean there's a whole context you know it's funny people you know a lot of you know I'm I mean I'm saying this in general I'm sure. you know like people will take a verse and then immediately someone will come who maybe has Bible wisdom and they'll say, Hey, you can't use just one verse to make your point. But then those same people who say that use one verse to make their point. Sure. Submit yourselves to governing, you know, those who, because it says that um, basically it goes on down and says, here, here's what you obey, pay your taxes. Mm. Give to everyone what you owe them. I mean, there's, you know, because these very same, this very same idea of obey your authorities, obey those that rule over you. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul, uh, those same authorities said, don't preach the gospel. And so the apostle Paul goes out and immediately preaches the gospel. <laughs> so it's like, you know, so we can't pick and choose and say, you know, cause you know, there, there are laws, right? There are laws that make us feel safe. There are laws for us, you know, who, you know, obey the law. You know, we're not out drinking and driving. We're not out getting high. We're not out, you know, the thing is, is those authorities were meant to be a blessing to those who do right. Mm -hmm. And if someone would say, well, the authorities say to close down your church and you're not doing right by keeping your church open, I don't agree with their, their perspective of right. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. So, cause it says that if you don't want to fear the authorities, then do right. And mm -hmm. so, so, I mean, all I would say, um, you know, about that and, and here's, uh, I didn't, I, I had to step away for a minute when you ask about pre about how we, uh, what we talk about as far as the mandates and all of that, like for me as a pastor, if I had to come up with something every week, like the answer is this and the answer is that, and you've got it that I would be, <laughs> I would be a pastor for about a month and then I'd run out of ideas, but see, we have the Bible. That's, that's why, that's why we can continue to preach and hopefully be effective with those that are listening because we're not just throwing out this is the latest soundbite, or this is the latest research, or this is the latest idea, but we're trying to, the best we can, stick to the word of God and be, you know, be effective that way. So that was the previous question. But again, here, you know, I, I don't see the context that if the government, because I'll tell you right now, we think it's hard now. Well, wait until the Antichrist comes. And then he says, shut your church down. What are you going to do then? Mm. Well, that's what he said. He, he, he could be the authority of the day. The Antichrist mm. could be the authority of the day. Uh, what are you going to do then? Well, some people might say, well, the rapture is going to happen. You know, 
we can make up stuff as we go. But the bottom line is, is are we going to take it as a blanket and say, hey, the authority says, and if you rebel against the authority, uh, I don't I don't see yeah. that as the context of scripture. Um, I remember actually, it's funny that you, um, John MacArthur. I remember all three of us listening to a podcast. I think he was being interviewed by um, by Ben Shapiro, and he actually mentioned that uh, you know Christians should not have gone to war during the American Revolution. And I remember us actually speaking at the time, saying that's. I don't know how can he say something like that so bold and so such yeah. a blanket statement when you're discounting every Christian that prayed and fasted over going to war every every founding father who was a Christian and and sought counsel and read their Bible and prayed about about these things um, you know but Adam do you when people do use scripture to justify certain things like keeping people out of church or um, not opening their doors or, or obeying these mandates. Do you think that there is any scripture that maybe you were able to find to justify some of these mandates? So, for example, if they if they all of a sudden said that churches just to keep your church door open, you had to um, make sure every single person in your church was vaccinated and to show a vax card. Um, that's a governing authority setting up setting a rule in place. Is it script? Can you find anywhere in scripture is specifically pointing to vaccines being required anywhere in the Bible? Um, to answer your question, no, there's not, there's not a scripture that says that we need to get vaccinated. But what's funny though, is like if in and out is going to tell the government, like, no, I'm not going to make people get vaccinated and show proof of it. Then like, we can do that too. We can have, some backbone and, um, you know, say, Hey, we're not, we're not going to cave to every whim of the government. Another thing about just wanting to comment one more thing about uh, those scriptures about obeying governing authorities in the early church, they used to, um, have these letters from Paul, Peter, other, uh, you know, other writers, they would circulate throughout the, um, the early church throughout the different churches. And a lot of times part of their service was just to read an entire letter. And, um, it's not a stretch to think that it's, it's very possible that there were secret churches where people were gathering illegally and they were reading these letters from Peter and from Paul that say, honor your authority. And they know that they're, what they're doing is illegal. They're, they're meeting in secret because if they don't meet it, you know, they could be killed for meeting mm, mm. and, but they're doing it anyways. And, and yet the, it says, honor your authority. So there's a way to um to be obedient to god and um still be an, a person that is does show honor you know we're not we're not encouraging people to be disrespectful or um belittle uh people in authority we're not saying that you know you should just disregard everything that they say or every you know just dishonor we're not teaching anyone to do things like that we're saying on issues where their instruction contradicts the Bible, that's where we have to draw the line. So we can obey every which law that they prescribe, even if we don't like it, as long as it doesn't, um, you know, contradict the Bible. Once it does that, now we have a problem. And again, we stand before God. So as far as like a scripture, you know, trying to justify a vaccination, it just, I can't think of anything. Um, although I, 
definitely am not looking for one either, but I mean, I, I just, it's a huge stretch um, because what the Bible teaches is pray for the sick. That's what it says. Not, you know, be afraid and, and uh, you know, I don't know, cower at, at the face of these uh, sicknesses, but pray for the sick, heal them, raise the dead. You know, that's the kind of victory that we're supposed to be walking in, not, you know, intimidated. Yeah. And um, but OK, let me just say this. The Bible says to uh, not stumble your brothers and yeah. sisters. So what if they your brother and your sister think that you should get the vaccine as a sign of loving your brethren or wearing a mask as a sign of loving your brethren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, like really it just, if you keep the big picture in mind, it becomes very ridiculous, very fast because any Christian in a nation where the gospel is illegal um, they're being asked the same questions, you know, you're, you're, you, if you're, if you're, you're meeting together is stumbling someone in this communist party or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Are you going to stop meeting together? So you don't stumble that like that's, that's absurd. That's ridiculous. But that's the, the, you know, the logical end of it, you have to carry it out. Um, you know, so this might be smaller in the sense that it's not, you know, a life or death, I guess, but you know, some people believe that it is, but I mean, but it, it still is a, um, an issue where it's like, you know, I, I don't have, okay. So when, again, if, if somebody has stumbled because of a, um, if for like the vaccine, for example, that's a, that's a, a really, it comes down to a personal conviction. And, um, Paul actually teaches some really important things about that, that I think are, are, um, worth talking about, but, you know, he says he's all things to all people. Um, so, you know, meaning, uh, he's looking to win the lost at, at any cost. And, and so he's, he's really just trying to like, you know, find a way to find some sort of common ground or some build some sort of relationship with everyone. Um, and so I think that Paul would have been really shrewd about it, you know, because he would just find a way to, um, again, find common ground because the, the object is to reach someone for Jesus and so, you know, your, your conviction might, uh, like, for example, okay, in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it talks about uh, eating food offered to idols, okay? So, Paul says, um, when, uh, if somebody, if, he, it's really clear that it's not inappropriate to eat food offered to idols. It's, it's totally fine. What I think is interesting about that is that... Um, the reason Paul says that is because there's one God and these false idols, they don't have final authority. And it's, it's also important to note that he doesn't say that they're just like not real because they're very real to people. People live enslaved to idols. You know, people really do worship demonic and, and their, their own flesh. And I mean, people really do serve idols and, and it's, so it's very real, but they do not in any way have any authority over God. And so Paul says, um, it's okay to eat food offered to idols because there's only one God. And so basically it's, it's kind of like this, whether or not you eat food offered to idols, it's irrelevant because idols do not have final authority They're, They do not, uh, supersede God, right? What he says is keep in mind a weaker brother. If someone else were to see you eating this food offered to idols and, 
that would cause them to stumble, then don't do it. Don't do it in front of them. But really he's saying in front of them, because literally he says in first Corinthians chapter eight, 13, he says, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble, which sounds very final, but he's still talking about it in first Corinthians chapter 10. And he says, if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. So literally, Paul is saying, I would eat whatever is put before me and I wouldn't worry about it uh, at all because I'm just, you know, you bless your food, you pray for it, and then you just, you thank God and you eat. Um, But what's, what's, what's interesting though to me about this is that what really matters is our personal convictions are not more important than our call to win the lost, to win souls to Jesus. So it is possible that your personal conviction could be offending someone and pushing them away. Your personal conviction could alienate someone that you're supposed to reach. So Paul says, be all things to all people, win them over. So in other words, really, you because see, here's the thing. Whether or not you eat food offered to idols is a totally case by case thing in, in this in this uh, in this context, in that culture. It's totally case by case. Right. So you could eat food offered to idols and uh, it not offend anyone. You're fine. And then there could be a scenario where it might offend someone. So you don't. Right. So it was case by case. Um, but with the vaccine, it's a permanent thing. You can't change your vaccination status depending on the people around you, whether or not they're okay with it or whether they, yeah, they don't yeah. like it, right? So it's a permanent thing. So um, what Paul is saying is that conviction. So some, see, and this is the other part of it. Some people will say, um, you know, I'm offended that you don't have the vaccine. Other people might say, I'm offended that you do have the vaccine. So either way, your personal conviction might sure. be upsetting someone. So what we have to do is be all things to all people and be really shrewd in our conversation and, you know, find a way to don't talk to make about it. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me. Yeah. And, and the, the fact that Paul is saying, you know, it's OK to eat it um, when there's no one around that's going to be offended by it. He's saying that it's really not anyone's business. It's not mm, because yeah. eating food off the idols is not a sin. So he's like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. But if it happens to offend someone for their sake, you know, just don't offend them intentionally. Right. But again, with the vaccination, it's not something that you can change. It's a permanent thing. So it really comes down to just trying to be kind, trying to have, you know, your best reason for whether you do it or you don't do it. Um, and it's completely personal. It's between you and God. And really it's between you and your your doctor, your yeah. family. But it's not even something that, um, you know, it's definitely not something that a, a president should just, you know, say everyone has to do this. I mean, you really should consult your doctor, you know, uh, and you should talk to, you know, make a decision for yourself, you know, but um, again, it's just to me, you know, what's really interesting though about this passage as well to me is just that to use that passage to preach a vaccine is, is kind of ironic because really what, what Paul is saying is um, food offered to idols doesn't matter because the idol is not the final authority. So it'd almost be more accurate to say whether or not you get the vaccine doesn't matter because the government is not the final authority. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's yeah. almost like it teaches the opposite. It's saying, look, just follow your conscience. Just do what you think is right. Mm-hmm. And, and don't intentionally offend someone over this. Don't go out of your way to offend a brother um, one way or the other. Just do what God tells you to do and, um, you know, do your best to not offend anyone. Yeah. And I, I couldn't have said it any better. So, so what you're saying though, is not getting the vaccine is not equivalent to eating food offered to idols is not equivalent. Yeah. Okay. Um, cause that was something that had been said, but pastor bill, I'll, co- I'll come to you. Um, you've been talking a lot about, you know, what would Jesus do in all of this? Right. You, you look at your little wristband and you know, what would Jesus do? And we've, you've talked a lot. Yeah. You've talked a lot about this early on. You were one of the first pastors that, um, you know, that was just way ahead of everything. As far as I knew, um, a lot of the mega church pastors, as far as I could tell, were, um, you know, doing what they do. But, uh, Jesus, pastor Bill, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jesus healed lepers and, uh, Jesus healed the blind and Jesus healed a woman that was bleeding for 12 years. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, Jesus would have ran from people with COVID. Is, is that accurate? <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have welcomed. He would have made sure they're uh, wearing a mask or uh, vaccinated at least, right? I mean, it's COVID. Yeah. It's not leprosy. Yeah, you know, uh, Jesus only did and said what the father said to do and say. And so uh, I think we're, we're, we're obviously far from that, but anybody that Jesus healed, the father had already spoken that he had already done that. And so when Jesus gives us this mandate, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out. I mean, when he gives us this instruction, you know, the mandate obviously is to go into all the world disciple nations, you know, but the call of the church is to reach the hurting, reach the broken, go the, go to the Samaritan, you know, the one that nobody, you know, the outcast, you know, and so, you know, I think that, you know, the whole idea that you, you know, we're talking about offending, uh, that's, that's why we've got to stick scripture. We've got to stay scriptural. You know, because no pastor, you know, maybe maybe I shouldn't say no pastor, but most pastors, we're not out there just to say what we want to say and see who it can offend. You know, we're we're trying to do the opposite. You know, we're trying to get people to know the love of God, the grace of Christ and the forgiveness of sin. And, you know, because this whole, you know, Adam read out of First Corinthians 8 about you know, eating uh, food offered to idols, you know, Romans uh, chapter 14 says, therefore do not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So really this whole context is talking about not judging. If you keep yourself from judgment, you're going to keep yourself from causing someone to stumble. But as soon as we start making judgments, throwing down the judgment, you know, and the Bible talks a lot about judgment. We stand and fall 
uh, you know, on the judgment of one. Yeah. You know, that he is the only one that knows the full picture. So it's like when we start judging, you need to get this and you need to wear that and you can't, you know, you should, or you, we start making that judgment. You're going to, you're going to cause everybody to stumble over, over everything else, but the gospel and the gospel really needs to be the only thing that makes a sinner stumble because the gospel Jesus is that stumbling block, not my opinion on whether someone should get something or not get something or, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's when the stumbling block becomes, you know, unscriptural because there is a scriptural stumbling block. And that stumbling block is that, you know, you, you shouldn't fornicate. You should, you know, that makes people stumble, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and, but, but it makes them stumble in a, in a different way, you know, because that's, that's the gospel. You know, that's why I felt like from the pulpit, my, what I say from the pulpit matters, you know, it, it, it carries with it a different authority because it's God's ordained word, you know, that I'm speaking. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's a different authority there. So I need to, I need to, I need to caution Myself. And, and even the government recognizes that when they tell every pastor not to speak about politics from the pulpit because they know the influence that a pastor brings. Um, also, churches have tax exempt status. Correct. And so they're like, hey, you better not be <laughs> telling these people not to uh, vote for me in this next election because, uh, you know, yeah. they're going to, you know, they're, I mean, we already see politicians, in, including AOC, who has advocated that churches um, get their tax exempt status removed. Right. They've been fighting that for years. Yeah. For years. Yeah. Um, but going back to, to the, you know, one thing that I try and do with every argument that I have, or, you know, it's just like I was homeschooled and we were homeschooled and pastor Bill and my mom, Miss Kim taught us, uh, is to think critically and to have follow through. And one of the things like what you're already stating about the government, well, going back when if I mean, w- there would be no America, there would be no America if we right. never if we never rebelled, if we yeah. never were to push back against authority that was being counter scriptural, yeah. counter God. I mean, right. they fled to the United. They fled to America. They fled well, for a whole new country. Let, let me just for, add, because me, of uh, persecution. Let me add this, Aaron, uh, as you're talking about that, uh, most uh, all, all of us and probably people that listen to your podcast know who Diedrich Bonhoeffer is. Yeah. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a tremendous man of God. I mean, his statue is there at Westminster Abbey, right, right on the top there. I mean, it can, an incredible, um, you know, man of God wrote a great book, The Cost of Discipleship. But, you know, Diedrich Bonhoeffer got put in prison for trying to overthrow Hitler's regime. That's why he got, he didn't get put in prison because he was a pastor. He got put in prison because he was trying, he was rebelling against the authority. And he reads the same Bible we do. Yeah. I would like to hear Diedrich Bonhoeffer's take on this scripture. If you can bring him up in your next podcast. Yeah. Oh, I know. (laughs) I would love to speak to some of these old radicals. You know know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, no, yeah. 
That's why, but he got put in prison, man, and died. Yeah. You know, no, no, I would love to speak to some of these old radicals and for them to take a look at the church and maybe help us out a little bit. Um, But but anyway, uh, back to us coming to America. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, no, no, it's it's there would be no there would be no America if we never rebelled. I mean, um, if we so do we never push back on abortion? Do we never push back on actual biblical things? What if they say you can no longer preach the gospel? Not only do you have to require a vax card every person entered at the door or have a COVID test uh, like they're doing in uh, for every business in uh, California and New York um, and in Austria, actually going around and having people show their vax cards uh, just randomly. Police officers are doing that. But how about when they say you can't preach the gospel? Who's who's left? Right. Who's left uh, to stand yeah. up and fight yeah. for Christians if Christians aren't willing to fight for themselves? Maybe in and out and Chick-fil-A will keep well, fighting for us. Well, I, I'll let Adam talk, but I will say this, that right now I'll tell you that people would never put um, the mandate in the same category as abortion. And uh, I'll tell you that that's how the enemy begins he begins slowly uh he wants to see how far he can push the boundary you know he did that with television from the 30s to the 50s to the 70s and all of a sudden you know where in the 70s they're barely showing any kind of skin in a show all of a sudden now what 40 years later it's full bore you know whatever so the enemy pushes slow. He might start with something and go, he's, he's, you know, what's the best way to uh, eat an elephant yeah. one bite at a time. Yeah. And so it's like, he's a little bit here. How, what am I going to do? How's the church going to, because that's always the enemy's focus. How's the church going to respond? He doesn't care about world leaders. He wants to know because the devil hates the church. Yeah. He wants to know how's the church going to respond. Yeah. Adam, I'm going to give you a statement and I want you to, uh, I know I'm kind of throwing this at you, but um, someone said, uh, going along with what the government, the context of, again, obeying authority, because I think that's that's where if if Christians are going to have the argument of we need to be following the CDC and the FDA and the governing authorities, they are saying they're pointing at Romans and they're they're citing the scripture. Rebel or comply, it will be the same end for you. Someone told, someone said that rebel or comply with the government, rebel or comply, it will be the same end for you. What is that? I know I'm kind of throwing like a, 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 maybe a a broad question, but. um, Well, I mean, yeah, go go ahead. No, I mean, I was going to say that, um, look, Jesus broke so many rules when it came to the way that <laughs> the Pharisees want to live. It's uh, true. I mean, it's true. Jesus broke so many rules. I mean, they were mad at him for eating with sinners. They were mad at him for letting his disciples eat before they washed their hands. Hey, Joseph he was, and Mary, just to save Jesus's life. Hey, <laughs> It's like, yeah. you know, Moses, I mean, all yeah. the way. You know? Right. And then another thing was uh, Jesus working on the Sabbath. Um, he was uh, 
healing people on the Sabbath that enraged people, you know? Um, so, I mean, what Reveller can play, I, I don't know. What, what I know is that Jesus taught us that sometimes it was, it's the right thing to do to, um, you know, to help people, to serve people, regardless of what, you know, anyone thinks really, uh, if I'm going to sit with sinners and, and, uh, you know, uh, eat with them and preach to them. That's going to make somebody mad. Well, Jesus did it literally yeah. did it. And so I never would have thought that would be a, uh, you know, a thing that would get you in trouble today, but it is if you're eating too close to one another. And, uh, if, you know, the people aren't vaccinated and if it's, you know, it's Christmas or Thanksgiving and, you know, you're letting your family in your house, you know, but Jesus did things. He, he ate with people and he upset people, you know, he literally did that. But another thing is with, um, with leprosy and you kind of mentioned it, but I just want to um, just reiterate that, that, you know, that's one of the reasons that I felt such a clear peace when God told me to stay open. When I felt very certain um, was immediately God reminding me about Jesus's treatment with people with leprosy. And this was literally in February of, of 2020. I mean, this was in the, in the very, very beginning and um, lepers were supposed to cry out unclean, unclean. They were supposed to literally cross and walk on the other side of the street. And, um, Jesus, knowing it's heading, that, it's heading there, it's yeah, heading there. Huh. But Jesus, knowing that they were supposed to social distance, he would invite them to him, and he would pray for them. He would pray for them so that they could be healed. Um, and uh, this would have been shocking to all of the people around Jesus. They'd have been like, "What are you doing, letting this leper come near us?" when you know they're supposed to social distance, but Jesus was comfortable breaking the social norm because he had a mission, a calling from God. He was called to heal the sick. He was called to save us and he was going to make some people uncomfortable, but he was willing to do that breaking social norms. But, and so that, that really was like, you know what? Jesus would let people with COVID even come and pray for them. He would pray for them. He wouldn't tell them to leave. He would pray for them. It didn't, it, it, he literally did it. I mean, like we have his example. That's literally what he did was he allowed people close to him, even in the midst of a lot of people who were supposed to social distance. So, I mean, we actually have an example of him, mm -hmm. uh, how he would behave in the same situation. Well, his situation was much worse because leprosy is worse. Um, but, and then another example, um, actually, dad, did you want to comment on that or? No, no, good, good. Another example though, um, is the man with the withered hand. And I think this is kind of interesting because um, I just I just find this kind of thing fascinating. But you, you all remember the story of um, the man with the withered hand. Uh, I believe it's Mark chapter three. I want to find my reference so that I um, get it right. But yeah, it's Mark three, verse one. Um, there's a man with the withered hand that comes to the synagogue and Jesus prays for him. And Jesus actually calls him to come to him. So you could kind of, you know, maybe see the scene that this man is kind of on the outskirts, probably. Um, and Jesus calls him into the synagogue to pray for him. What's interesting about this is that Leviticus 21, 18 says, For no one who has a blemish shall draw near a man blind or lame, or one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long, or a man who has an injured foot or an injured hand. And it goes on to list some other defects that, you know, people suffer from. There were not supposed to come close. And someone might say, well, this is this is about priests. But it literally says no one shall come. And so this man with the withered hand is not even supposed to come in. And Jesus calls him in 
and prays for him and heals him. And what's really cool about this also is Isaiah 56 talks about the redemption for these people that God didn't intend for them to always be, you know, at like at arm's length and not be allowed to come in. God always intended to redeem that. And Jesus shows it when he calls the man in and heals him. But so the Pharisees got angry at Jesus because he healed him on the Sabbath. But not only that, this man really wasn't even supposed to be in the synagogue. He was he was supposed to be outside. But Jesus invites him in, heals him, does a great miracle. So again, there's just so many levels where Jesus is not worried about what the culture expectation, cultural expectation is. If he is going to, you know, heal somebody, he's going to heal somebody. Uh, you know, he's came to to save the lost, and that's that's what he's going to do. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, before you you say something, Dad, I was just going to add on um, one thing that Jesus also did was Jesus knew. I, I, I can't. I don't know if we've already touched on this. Jesus knew that they were trying to kill him. Literally, I mean, Pharisees were looking for ways to kill Jesus. And did that stop? Did that keep Jesus in quarantine? Did that keep Jesus socially distanced away from the crowds and away from uh, the masses as he continued to preach the gospel? I mean, talk about your life is on the line. I mean, you have literally people conspiring to take your own life. uh, um, And yet that didn't stop him whatsoever. Sorry, Pastor, what were you going to say? No, you're good. You're good. Well, you know, one of the things I think that um, you have a couple things, I think one, you have government overreach. And so I think that that's an issue that is happening and people are feeling it. People feel like their freedoms are being taken away and their freedoms are being attacked. And, and, you know, there are certain um, entities that have been created that, I mean, even the Old Testament uh, deals with this with Uzziah, the, the king going into the temple to offer sacrifice. And the priest comes and basically says, you have overreached. You know, this is not your place. The church has never, I mean, this again, you talked about people coming from Europe to come to America. This is exactly what they came to mm-hmm. America for so that the government wouldn't control the church mandate this because it was government overreach. Well, I think too, you can have pastoral overreach. When we began as pastors to tell people, uh, you know, because we're talking about first Corinthians eight, Romans 14 about their conscience, you know, that we're, we're basically, they're saying, you know, God doesn't want us to get the vaccine. And we, as pastors are saying too bad, you need to obey the government. Well, that's it's overreach. It's pastoral overreach because now you're asking them if they really feel like they've heard from God, you're asking them to sin against their own conscience. And uh, and again, it's it's an overreach. The, what we're called to do, and this is again, I don't, I don't think it's just my opinion. I think it's the opinion of a lot of pastors. We're called to preach the word of God. Uh, to show ourselves to, you know, um, a good student of the word, mm-hmm. uh, rightly, you know, praying into it, hearing from God. I know the Bible says rightly dividing the word of God, but really bringing the truth of the word. Uh, and, but also at the same time, 
uh, presenting the character of God because his word is his character. His word is, I mean, it's like your word represents you, his word. So that's what we're called to do. And I'll tell you this, the other thing, and then I'm done, is that Jesus, you know, there was leprosy, you know, one with the issue of blood, you know, there was a, but the Bible says there was all manner of sickness. I mean, you know, they, their medical care wasn't like it is today. I mean, they, their diseases had diseases, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, coming out, coming out the pores of your skin. I mean, you know, there's no way we, we like to sanitize this sometimes, but you can't sanitize the world that Jesus lived in. I mean, he lived in a world that was full. I mean, we see it all the time, casting out demons, casting out demons. I mean, it's like, was everybody demon possessed? <laughs> it was like, I mean, they had, there's a lot of things going on in his world that, yeah. that he was living in, that he was having to confront and deal with. And you ask about, does the Bible talk about vaccinations? You know, well, you know, Jesus could have very easily said, Hey, we need to get a vaccine against this guys. Cause this one right here, there's no, there's no cure for this one right here. We need to get, and he could have done that, but he didn't, he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and he very easily could have, I mean, Jesus, you know, he could have done, I always feel like he could have done whatever he wanted to do, you know? Yeah. But I think pastoral overreach, we got to be careful. Just like I believe the government, they got to be, they got to be put in check here. Yeah. You know? And I think one of the things too, is that um, people are like, well, you know, you're selfish for having this belief, or you might be selfish here if you're not getting the vaccine and different things like that. You know, you need to look at the big picture. You need to look at reality and different things. And it's like, okay, let's look at reality. Let's look at what is going on in the world. You have something that has, you know, a 99.7% survival rate, recovery rate, basically 100%. I know it's not. Then you have the CDC and the FDA constantly lying and fibbing about what is going on. FDA approval. You know who pays for FDA to approve vaccines? And, you know, it's talking about this. I might get censored, but it's Pfizer. It's Moderna. It's Johnson Johnson. They're the ones paying FDA. Someone's got to pay for the FDA to approve these things and to do the studies and to do the research. And it sees big pharma companies. Um, so, you know, the idea that there are some, you know, governing holy body over us, um, that they have our best interests at heart. You know, they're just out there just for the, you know, the good of all mankind. Uh, just for me, it's like a little bit of common sense would and a little bit of research and study would point me in a totally opposite direction in that. We didn't vote for them. We did not vote them in. So what is the reality? And Adam, I've heard you talk a lot about this. I, the reality is is fear. There's a lot of fear mongering um, going on in the world, but also in the church. A ton of fear. And so how do you how do you combat that? How, have you seen that? Oh, you're on mute, brother. All right. Hey, absolutely, though. I mean, one of the one of the main problems of, of all this, uh, you know, this the way the government has handled COVID is how it has really inspired a lot of fear. And also it's really hurt faithfulness a lot. Um, and so, I mean, people have 
been just, again, like their lives can be really diminished by fear. You know, um, someone can say that they're not afraid, but they might say that because they've eliminated everything in their life that stretches their faith. You know, mm-hmm. they, anything that causes them to step out in faith, they just eliminate it from their life. And then they say, well, I'm not afraid, but they are afraid and they're living a very, very small version of themselves, what they're called to live. You know, um, I mean, someone who uh, maybe they're called to be a missionary, go overseas and, uh, they, they, they might make any kind of excuse or, you know, I want my kids to have American education or, um, you know, I'm concerned about healthcare or I got this career or that. And they might say, I'm not afraid. I just have good reasons. But the truth is they've eliminated something from their lives that was going to require a lot of faith. It's the same with being a pastor. Um, it might even be the same with, uh, going to church when, you know, the, the, there's, you know, some called COVID out there, but it's like people eliminate things from their lives that cause them to have to have faith. And then they say, well, I'm not afraid, but they really are. And again, it diminishes them. So they're, they're not living the fullness that God's called them into. Um, the, the Christian life is an adventure. God calls us to do things that many times they're, they're a little bit, um, well, they're challenging. Um, they, there might be a, a, an element of, you know, like uncertainty, maybe like I'm stepping out into the unknown, don't really know. Um, but it's a major adventure. But I mean, we're living our lives to the fullest when we're following the call of God. But when we eliminate it, um, and again, we can say, well, I'm not afraid, but really we're very much afraid because we're limiting ourselves and not doing what God has called us to do. And the other thing is faithfulness. Um, you know, faithfulness was majorly attacked all throughout this whole season, um, you know, where maybe people at one time legitimately were concerned about health issues, you know, um, even when everything opened back up you know, they're still not around. And it's like, what happened? What, what, what happened there? And I think that faithfulness was attacked definitely where it, before it was a, you know, a non-issue, they were going to be at church, but after, you know, being at home for six months, it's like, I, you know, there's not as much of a zeal or an energy, you know, to do these things anymore because our faithfulness was assaulted. So I think that a lot of fear was inspired and faithfulness was attacked very much so all throughout this time. And it's a real battle to, you know, engage in that spiritual warfare and say, I'm not going to be afraid and I'm going to be faithful no matter what the cost. Yeah. And talk about faith. It, uh, it seems like people have just uprooted their faith in God and completely, um, placed it inside of the government. I don't know where this newfound faith in the government came from as if Gavin Newsom, Andrew Cuomo are, you know, some, uh, some priests out there. The only one, the Pope is the only one that can hear from God. It seems like we've gone back into, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, medieval times where the Pope is the only one that can hear from God where Gavin Newsom and, and, um, Mayor de Blasio are the only ones that can hear from, uh, God and people's God being St. Fauci, um, out there who who is the only one the all-seeing eye that knows every single in and out of covid and how it's going to affect us you can go to walmart but you can't go to a small business you can go to um target but you can't go to an outdoor park you can't skate in the park because they filled it up with sand and dirt in california 
which is just so preposterous. And again, it's not even conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy mind to just state the obvious where all of a sudden we are putting our faith in the government. Adam, where did that come from? Where, where did this newfound faith in the government come from and stripped from God, it seems like? I do think that it, it there is an element of it that it's just revealing that people's faith wasn't really really in God in the first place, or it was just a weak faith. I don't know. I mean, because it, it is shocking how little faith people have in God and how people just, you know, just bow to whatever, you know, the government says, don't go to church. I'm not going to go to church. It's just, it's just kind of surprising how, how quickly people did went that route, but it, it just, I think it reveals their source of faith. What are they believing in? And it just shows that, you know, they weren't really, they weren't really believing in God. They were coming to church. They were, you know, singing some songs and having a good time. But I mean, it's like when things get really difficult, when you're forced to make a decision to choose Jesus, choose faith over fear, you know, can, will people do that? And, and that it reveals what you're believing in. Um, but, you know, one of the things, just again, talking about government and, um, you know, the kind of infatuation with uh, doing every little thing and, and turning it into kind of a religion, you know, so, sometimes God allowed evil nations even in the Old Testament to uh, rise up and discipline Israel. And so these nations like Babylon and Assyria would rise up and they would um, attack Israel. And um, it was, it was bad. It was really, really bad. But these, these nations were allowed to come to power or to overthrow Israel. And it was always to turn the hearts of people back to God. That was always the intention. So the intention is that people's faith would return to God in times of crisis. That's God's desire, that they would come to him. So it's like the crisis reveals where their faith is. And one of the things that um, I think is interesting is like God is allowing a power to rise, to overthrow Israel, but he's also sending prophets who preach to the very end repentance. Repentance, mm. repentance. So they're preaching a message that will free the people from the power that's being raised up. But the people wouldn't put their faith in God until they were overthrown, till they were put in a position where, you know, um, their, their lives were at stake. That's when they finally returned back to their faith in God, you know. But, but the preacher was preaching repentance. The preacher was preaching turn, turn, you know. So it's almost like, it's almost like today, a lot of preachers, some preachers are preaching, you know, get ready for Babylon. Here they come. Let's welcome them with open arms and do whatever they say, you know, yeah. but that's not what Jeremiah was doing. That's not what Isaiah was doing. That's not what Ezekiel was doing. They weren't doing that. They were preaching repentance. They were trying to spare the people, you know? So I'm just saying that just because of a power and authority is allowed to have um, power doesn't mean that God isn't calling people to, again, preach like, like Jeremiah, preach a message that might even be contrary to that power that's rising. I hope that makes sense. No, it definitely makes sense. And someone actually said, you know, someone actually said there is nothing that anyone can do when bad things happen, like evil governments destroying their citizens. And the Bible is completely contrary to that statement in mm. everything that you just stated, where all these men of God are 
doing everything they can. Yeah, absolutely. They're doing everything they can to prevent the judgment that's coming. And that was God's will. So think about that. God was allowing a power to rise that would discipline the people, but he was also raising up a prophet to spare the people. And if the people would listen to the prophet, they would be okay. They would be fine. Like that was God's intent. That was everything from the very beginning. That's what God wanted. That's why he was calling these preachers to keep preaching repentance. So God would have maybe even prevented that, that nation from taking over if the people had repented, but they didn't. And so God allowed, and there's a difference between allowing and appointing. There's a major difference between those two things. God might allow something that he knows is going to um, turn the hearts of people back to him. But that doesn't mean he necessarily appointed it. And again, he sends prophets to preach repentance so that they can be spared. So God's got every base covered and he's making sure that no one, you know, is lost in the midst. He wants to save people. That's his primary goal. But unfortunately, sometimes people don't get that until their, you know, lives are at stake or something, you know, <laughs> crazy happens. Yeah. Pastor Bo, did you have anything to add to that? Well, you know, I mean, I think people, um, you know, in the beginning of everything where fear was pumped into them, you're going to die if you get this, you're going to die. I mean, it's like, that was what everybody heard. I mean, we heard all the same news, you know, so at some point you got to make a decision. Hey, my life is in God's hands. If I'm going to die, um, you know, obviously I'm not going to jump in front of a train, but you know, my life is in his hands and uh, I've got to trust him with that. But people came to church in real fear. And so you had to really try to minister to them because the Bible says fear is a spirit. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So fear and people would say, well, I'm just being cautious. Well, caution is a nice hiding place for fear. And so you've got to be able to discern um, is the caution, is it interrupting your worship of God? Uh, like fear does? You, is it interrupting your faith? Caution, washing your hands, uh, you know, after you go to the restroom, that's just caution and wise. You know, that's not fear. So I think that we had to try to bring people really into the presence of God uh, to, to really try to deal with that fear instead of criticizing them or making them feel dumb or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It just... I think more than anything, we had to go, okay, listen, I understand because of the things that you've been told, this has birthed something in you. But the only way you're going to overcome that is you need to allow God to show himself strong in your life and, and really bring them into that truth, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. And I love how at the start we were just like, Hey, when we first opened, when we stayed open, wear a mask if you want to wear a mask. Yeah. You know, now it's like if you want to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. We've all been saying this. I've been saying this from the jump. None of us are anti-vaccine, anything like that. Um, we're anti-government overreach for sure to the fullest extent. These governing bodies are full of it. Um, trying to shut down small business and, you know, all these different yeah. things. We can get into that. But we're... We're leaving this up to free will. We're leaving this up to choice. We're allowing people, not even allowing, like we have control over. Yeah. Like yeah. you're you know, allowed to wash your car today. It's know? God's church. <laughs> yeah. What what a statement. Yeah. Like, okay, you're not allowed to come into this building. 
you're talking about God's house. You're talking about God's house where you're denying people entry. You're it's pretty interesting. And so but what, what we're saying is, hey, do what you want as far as your caution is concerned. If you feel like taking all, of the, you know, the, uh, droplets and uh, or sorry, drips and uh, it's pumping up your vitamin D and vitamin C and the I word. I won't say it uh, and different things like that. You know, if you're taking all these precautionary substances to prevent getting sick then all the power to you none of us are saying anything like that like not to or to do it um and you know we're definitely not saying that if you follow our rules like we're some what our advice or something we're somehow responsible for your life like god's gonna hold us to account as if we say don't get the vaccine and god's all all of a sudden your blood is on my hands uh, you know, i rebuke that in the name of jesus that um that that would be the case because it's not true. There's no mm -hmm. biblical principle for that, um, for for that for something like that to be stated. Uh, where what is reality? Well, you can go back and listen to my past episodes about COVID, and I'll tell you the reality about COVID. What's the reality? What what the Bible says um, about governing authority and governing uh obeying and different things like that well we just talked about it and i think it's really really important to understand to compartmentalize to have nuance and to understand that there are a lot of factors at play and uh it's important to to be aware of of uh just what the bible says and what the governor says <clears throat> They're not always one and the same. Do we pray for our governors? Absolutely. Do we pray that they hear from God? Absolutely. Um, but when they don't, there is a tremendous amount that falls on the church to hear from God, to, to think for ourselves, to understand that, okay, is this, are they leading the church in the direction in which God wants the church to go? Because there are countless examples of the government, the governing bodies, governing authority, do where they do not have the church's best intentions at heart. And it's really important for the church to stand up, to fight back, and to say enough is enough. You know, everyone is welcomed. Come as you are. Uh, mask if you want. Unmask if you want. Whatever. Get the vaccine. Uh, uh, not whatever you want to do. You are welcomed in our church. This is God's house. It is not my house. It is not the governor's house. It is not the state's house. This is God's house in which we have accepted the responsibility of being a shepherd over. And there's a real weight in that. There's a real weight in that. Um, but uh, I'll let you guys have the last word. Pastor Bill, did you, did you have anything else yeah, that you wanted to add? Um, yeah, just... Um... I don't think, I think if, you know, even last year in the middle of this March, April, May, all of, you know, if somebody came in without a mask or with a mask, no one ever came to me and said, how could you let them in? Yeah. How could you not let them, you know, no one, you know, there was somebody that walked by one time and she said, she saw that none of us had masks on and, and she was all upset. And, you know, I think uh, one of our one of our members were out there talking to her and said, you know, what? you can put a mask on. No problem. You know, you want to come in? No, you know, we're we're fine, you know, but it's almost like, um, you know, like 
we were, and I think that's the thing with people, they feel like they're doing something wrong, Mm. you know, but you know, this was right in the middle of it. And she walked away. Like, you know, the guy told me this was his comment to me. Like she was going to tell somebody on us, you know, or whatever, you know, I mean, fortunately here in West Virginia, you know, we didn't really have the major shutdown lockdowns like California, you know, my friend in Australia, London, a lot of these places had major lockdowns. They were going to get fined. You know, I know one of my pastor friends said they were going to get fined $50,000 if they had one service, mm. if they even opened their church doors. So, you know, there's things that, and you know, this was in a country where you couldn't fight that, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like John MacArthur did here in California, he fought it Yeah, and said, no, we will worship. We won't social distance and we won't wear masks and we will sing, Yeah, you know, so he fought it and, uh, but you know, other places they couldn't do that, you know? So anyway, you know, I, you know, yeah, I think that. I got to, I got to run. So we're all, we're all going to uh, take off, but I was just going to say the reality of things. If you want to know the reality of some things, you can go back as far as the masks are concerned. Again, you can go back and uh, listen to um, a past episode because I'll tell you the reality of masks and uh, they don't work unless you have an N95 mask. And uh, we wear them in hospitals because N95s work. And there's actual reasons for that. But Pastor Adam, I'll let you have the last word. I'm, I'm starting to ramble. <laughs> no, but I was just thinking about how, um, you know, like you said, from the beginning, it's been like, if you want to come to church, come, you know, I'll be here. If you don't, I understand, you know, from the beginning, it's been like, do you want to wear a mask? Cool. If you don't, that's fine. And from the beginning, it's been like, do you want to get the vaccine? That's okay. If you don't, that's okay. And And what's so crazy is that, that has actually become controversial mm. because the world wants us to take a stand on, on a certain side. It's not okay for us to say, Hey, make up your own mind, make your own decision. The world wants us to say, no, do this or do that. And that's the right thing. Um, and it's just odd to me that it's become controversial um, to just let people decide what they want to do. That's what we've been saying from the beginning is it's up to you. You have that autonomy that you can decide that. And I think that that is really what, Paul would say, because he was all things to all people. So I think he would be ex saying exactly what we're saying. Like, Hey man, do it. If that's what you want to do, do it. If, they, if it's not okay, I get it. You know? And he would just be friendly and love them because what's really important is leading them to Jesus. So one of the things that I was thinking about, um, just thinking about this podcast was, you know, that we do need to govern our conversation and govern even maybe our opinions um, in such a way so that um, we don't alienate people who we're called to reach, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I feel like the best case is to just be all things, all people, just love people, you know, don't intentionally try to offend someone because then you're going to push them away and they could need Jesus. They could need yeah. what we're called to do. We're called to share Jesus with them. So the object is not that I would get, everyone else to align with every one of my personal convictions. The object is that I would preach Jesus, you know? So again, it's like, you know, eat meat, offered idols, don't eat. My personal conviction is not as important as winning people to Jesus. That's what yeah. really, that's what I really want to make sure is, is like conveyed. So 
I want to win all. I want to be all things to all people. I'm not trying to push anyone away. I'm not trying to intentionally upset anyone on yeah. either side. I want to share Jesus with them. And yeah. in Jesus' name, they'll get saved and we can just celebrate that and, and be positive about that. Um, you know, that's the primary goal is reaching people. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to be intentionally provocative or no. intentionally stirring up the hornet's nest as if that is uh, some sign of uh, righteous righteousness that you would stir up the hornet's nest. It's easy to do that. It's easy to be provocative. It's easy mm -hmm. to stir the hornet's nest. And it's hard to love people, <laughs> especially right now, huh? <laughs> especially right now. Um, you know, it's. Yeah, it seems like we've adapted what the world is setting, uh, the world's guidelines as far as what they consider uh, unprovocative or provocative. Um, you know, a, you can't talk about this. You cannot talk about this instead of just loving people, speaking the truth. And, um, you know, we can't allow can't allow the world to to have a, such a stronghold over the church. If the church is going to yeah. make it, if the church is going to make it. You know, the church has got to got to stand up, um, especially against governors and and uh, state authorities who are acting in an evil and malicious nature. And the um, church has to stand together, stand together. Yeah. You know, these pastors that are fighting the battle in their own cities and states, we get you may not agree with everything, you know, whatever scripture, but you got to stand with your your brothers, your Christians, you know, and really pray for them, believe God for them, you know, cause they're, they're trying to stay open too. They're trying to win the lost, you know, and like I said, West Virginia, you know, Aaron, we've been blessed in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. not having to close down and et cetera, you know, no government mandate, if you will, you know, at least none that I knew. I just knew that I wasn't going to either way, but, but yeah. we got to stand, we got to pray for these that are, you know, in California and, mm -hmm wherever uh, you know right. other places New York, australia New Jersey, michigan yeah. i like mean even salt utah, lake is getting rough you know yeah here in utah my my gym has been mass free since like last june oh i wow, remember going awesome. in there that's awesome i think I was, I was there in december and we didn't have masks yeah. on uh yeah but uh you know if gyms aren't turning people away for not wanting to socially distance right. or not wear exactly. a mask right I don't think it's the church's place to uh, all yeah. of a sudden do that as well. Uh, did you guys have anything else to add? No, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys yeah, for coming on. Um, this was a little extended episode. I only release once a, one a week, so you guys split it up however you want to do it. Pastor Bill, Pastor Adam, I appreciate you guys coming on and sharing your thoughts and, uh, you know, breaking down some scripture for all of us. Um, it's greatly appreciated because a lot of people have questions. A lot of people are wondering the same thing. How do how is the church going to move forward in the future? How, you know, you know, we've all said this is a precursor to something a lot bigger. And when that something bigger happens, how is the church going to react? How is the church going to respond? Um, and so I think this gives a good precedent um, to a lot of that. So I appreciate you guys coming on. And uh, the next big topic um, that I can think of, I'll, we'll, we'll all get together. The, the Neils, the Neil bros. Yeah, let's do it. Thanks for having me. All right. Love you guys. Love you. Love you.